And we go a little something like this. Hit it. Welcome back to Keeping It Real with Dina. This week and in the coming weeks, we're going to be highlighting some of our favorite episodes from this podcast series so far. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can find us on iTunes under New and Noteworthy and also on the Google Play Store. Here's Dina. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Dina. We have a very inspiring show for you today. It is how to find your freedom in your purpose. It means how do I do what I want to do and make money, basically. Today, we will be hearing how one woman left a lucrative corporate job to live out her dream of owning her own company. Don't we all want to find that freedom? Natalie, don't you want to do that? Yes, ma'am. So before we get started, we're going to start with our weekly announcements. Um, First, I am your host, Dina Babel. I am an author, motivational speaker, life coach, Huffington Post blogger, and um, a registered nurse. You can find our podcast on iTunes under Keeping It Real with Dina. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and give us a review. My book, written with Dr. Karen Louise, The Fatherless Daughter Project, Understanding Our Losses and Reclaiming Our Lives, will be on stands June 7th, and we're available right now on Amazon. I'll be speaking in Atlanta, February 26th, at the Your Purpose Conference. I love to talk about that stuff. I cannot wait to talk about that. And again, on February 27th, the next day, in Athens, Georgia, for the Wish Dishes one-year anniversary. We had Brian Wish on here a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it's his one-year anniversary. So check out thewishdish.com. I'm also a member, a new member of the National Speakers Association of Georgia. I met a really cool fellow author the other day. Her name was Dr. Jennifer B. Conweiler. And she's written several books about, how to, about being an introvert. Um, her new book, The Genius of Opposites, How Introverts and Extroverts Achieve Extraordinary Results Together, is out now. Another cool guy that I met, this is, did you, y'all watch the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. No. You didn't? I know I, I didn't Beyonce. really either. But anyway, <laughs> um, I was on a flight. But this guy was on the Advil commercial. His name's Ron Carr, and he's a beatboxer. So he came in to start like the whole Speakers Association meeting, and he was beatboxing. He taught us how to beatbox. You want me to do it? Oh, you know how? I can't do it. <laughs> he was doing all this stuff, girl. And I was like, this is so insane. He's so damn good. But anyway. Enough about me. Let's talk about our guest. My dear friend, Dana Spinola, who is also the CEO of Fabric, mother of four, if you don't count her chickens, and wife and founder of Free Fabric. I feel like singing. You remember that song back when, um, you probably don't, it was that perfume commercial and it was called Anjali, where the girl goes, I can bring home the bacon, Anjali, fry it up in a pan, Anjali. I don't know Anjali, but I know that song. And then she said something like, and never ever let you forget that you're a man, Anjali. It's basically about a woman doing all the stuff and trying to keep everything together, which I think is just- What was Anjali? It was the perfume. Oh, yeah. I, it, I know. It was cute, but it showed her like frying up in a pan. Natalie's like, I got to look that up. I don't even know what that is. Um, anyway, Natalie doesn't remember it, but it was all about women doing everything kind of like Dana. Um, so let's welcome Natalie DeMarco, my sidekick and communications from uh, communications director of the Fatherless Daughter Project. And somebody, if y'all haven't noticed, I like to pick on a little bit, but Natalie likes it, right, Natalie? Always good to be here. <laughs> So let's start from the beginning, Dana. When were you born? I'm kidding. Let's not go there, Dana. <laughs> Keep it real. Um, so le- you left your corporate America job to pursue, pursue your dream of owning your own clothing company. 
I did. How old were you then? Gosh, like 25, 26. And what were you doing? What was your career? I was at Deloitte Consulting. I was management information system computers, going into companies, telling them how they can do their business better. Talking so to what CEOs your... and saying, this is how you do it, and this is how you can do it better. What was your degree in? Um, MIS, management information systems. So that's so, so what did you envision yourself doing? Not that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. But I mean, I had two parent entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you know, hippie um, artists and designers. And I knew someday I'd be doing... Um, I didn't know it'd be in fashion. I just knew I'd have my own company. So I think what's interesting, because I've known Dana for a long time, and we've been friends. When I moved to Atlanta, I met Dana. And um, we were dating two guys that we won't get into right now. No, no. But we became friends. And um, I think if you're an entrepreneur, you're always that at heart. And um, Dana used to live with another friend of ours. And it was back when that, um, I've told this story forever at every Christmas party, but I have to tell it now. Back when you that message in the bottle movie was out, Natalie was still in diapers. But anyway, <laughs> um, I remember Dana saying, "Hey, I got an idea. Tell us about that." Like, yeah, it's so funny. I told this story the other day to my company, who did not know it. But I'm like, I've had you know several businesses. They're like before fabric. Um, yeah, I came up with a business while I was working at Deloitte. I was working like 90 hours a week, and then decided to started a company on the side. But basically, you could get online type a message to your loved one and I'd print it out, scroll it up, put it in a bottle and mail it all over. We but had like did 10 we, engagements. And, did we wax the bottle? Yeah, there was so much to it, be right? done. Yeah, you had to wax it. You had to burn the edges of the paper to make it look dramatic. <laughs> and, you know, they wanted to get it like it was an old message. The what guy was, was dating at the time, I remember he got a water bottle when we were talking about it. And he put a message in a water bottle and had it floating in my bathtub. And I was like, oh, he lost me. What was the name of the company? What do you think? Message in a bottle. It was. I love that. And then I started Dear John Cards. So Dana would let me put them in her new store, which was fabric at the time. So I would write the cards. I had a graphic designer that would put them to like draw everything up, who was a perfectionist. Oh, my God. And we'd write these cute little cards and we had a little stand and everything i should have kept that so, damn thing how many thing. companies did we i mean I it's loved so it. many ideas i, I was gonna everybody. i was gonna do a blue jean remember i was gonna do a blue pair yeah. of blue jeans yeah. i was gonna name it dina page i mean god there's so many things but anyway tell me what was going on in your life leading up to the whole fabric thing what were you feeling what were you thinking well it's crazy because you kind of mentioned it we were we were dating i had a boyfriend for about seven years and i thought I, we were getting married um, we all know who you are out there. So I want to thank him, basically. The, the heartbreak after the breakup, it was my birthday. We broke up. I thought I was flying up to New York. and We did um, go to New York. He did. Oh, befo- oh that was a different didn't time. Bring me. <laughs> <laughs> on your birthday? Come on. No, remember we went and we were like, we're going to live in New York. Oh, yeah. We were oh, yeah. starting, yeah, New York. I mean, <laughs> well, I was going to live there until my boyfriend decided that I wasn't going to be going with him. <laughs> and so I stayed here and thank God, I st- like two months crying every day. You know, the cry mm-hmm. that you can't even get yourself out of yeah. your bed and you're just so sad. And in that time, it was the whole, what do I want to be when I grow up? Like my heart was so broken. So all I had was just like, what will make me happy? And that's when I created fabric. I created it in the, the two months. And um, how much money did you have to start it? I, I didn't have much money. It was <laughs> I, like five thousand um, dollars or something. Yeah, I mean, I had to. I went to fourteen banks and asked for a loan, and they all said no. And finally, the last bank, you know, they. I worked on that business plan for a year, and that last bank finally said, "We'll give it a shot." How did you learn how to do a business plan? 
I was a business major. Like, I love the business part. I love the marketing. You know, we just talk about, like, you're kind of nothing unless you get yourself out there. Right. I love the marketing. I love the business. I loved every part of, like, doing it all. I'm a control freak. I'm OCD. I love all those terms. I wanted to do it all. So what what was your vision for the store? Um, it was, so I saw the movie Pretty Woman, mm-hmm. and it just changed my life. It's the first line of my business plan when you know she what? walks into one that One of Julia Roberts' movies changed my life, too. The Which one where one? she can't figure out who to marry, and she likes all the type of eggs they eat. What <laughs> Do you remember that, that movie where she eggs? keeps, she Runaway Bride. Oh, yeah. When she, she keeps meeting different guys, yeah. and she's like, okay, I really like him, because mm-hmm. I like what he does. I'm sorry. I digress. No, Go ahead. Julia Roberts is amazing. Mm-hmm. And thank her for making Pretty Woman. She's a fatherless because, daughter. I don't know that. Sorry, she just is? had to put it out there. Yeah. Um, go Julia. She just rocks. I mean, that movie, The Power of the Woman, when she walks into that boutique and, you know, they, she's bas- they're basically like, we will not, you're not good enough to shop here. Mm-hmm. And then she comes back and she's like, big mistake. Just the, our whole concept was that you don't have to have a million dollars to shop in a boutique. And before Fabric was started, you had to look the part and have on lipstick and look unbelievable to even walk into boutique to be treated as such. So you, your concept was that everybody could afford to be beautiful basically. And so what was your price point? What was everything was under a hundred. I had no idea how I could pull it off. Um, but it's something that I stuck to in the beginning. And I remember our customers coming in and saying, does this say 40? Like I'd pay 400 for it. And I just wanted to keep, keep it you know, honest to them. And then um, I remember a little circle of emails that we were sending out and you were trying to figure out what the, what name. We were all voting on names and then where to put mm-hmm. the little apostrophe. <laughs> apostrophe. Yeah, to make it fabric. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, is it fabric or fabric? Because people fabric. say everything. It's hilarious because I got the name one night out of the dictionary. It's the phonetic spelling of the word fabric. So mm-hmm. the idea it's French is hilarious to me. But it's like Target Target. It's more fun to say. Yeah. You know, if I call my friends, I'm like, you want to go to Fabrique? Okay. But it is fabric. Yeah. But I don't care. Okay, like, cool. Because I have some friends company. that say that. I know. It's cute, though. Yeah. yeah. I love um, that. So if you knew someone that, so you were in your early 20s. Mm-hmm. So if you were talking to girls, and I know you talked to a lot of young girls about business and everything. Give us like two or three pointers before they would even start to think about starting a company. What would you say? I would totally say dream big, but don't do it without anything behind it. Like if there's no execution, you can have dreams all day long. So I'm a big fan of dream with a plan Mm -hmm. because a dream is just an idea. So if and if you don't have a plan, you it. don't know what to do six months, nine months. It's almost like a marketing plan, too. Exactly. Because I know with the Dear John Cards, we were, we, I had it out there for three years. So I was in 20 states, but I did everything. I did the fulfillment and I didn't have a business plan. I'm business minded, but I'm more of the idea person. So I need someone to kind of streamline for me. And if you don't have that, you don't, you might have the it best idea in the world. It doesn't go anywhere. I talk to so many people every week with like, I have the greatest idea or I would love to open a store. And I mean, we all want to do so much, but it's the people that actually do it are the people that pull it off. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of, yeah, dream big. And, you know, I just jumped and did all that. But I did a lot of work behind the scenes to make sure that it happened. That business plan I wrote was 40 pages. I got everyone I know to tear it up. You got to be open for people to say that's a crappy idea. And you got to be people to say, you know, you don't, that's not going to work. So your first store, the whole brick and mortar store was on West Peachtree, right? Yeah. Not the probably most ideal location. No. And everyone's like, location, location, location. <laughs> I walked in and I saw three. It's like a one way street. Yeah, it's one way. There's no parking. It gets broken into every Sunday. You go down an alley to park in the back. Yeah. 
So if you're if you are man enough to even come back there without getting your car broken into, it was crazy. And that's where I learned to market, though, because I had everybody that came there. No one was just driving by. I had to yeah. like, work my butt off to get them in there. Because I remember I did my Dear John launch there. But the cool part is your dad helped with the floors because he's yeah. an artist. Your mom helped you. We all kind of put our yeah. hands into all it. All my friends came and we did tags together and like because i remember you would have to write out everything there was no computer or anything she'd write out like the price but it started off where you had men's clothes that were super cool and i know a lot of athletes were shopping there early on why did you quit doing the men thing because they're men we saw the women every three days yeah we saw the men once every six months they'd come in and get big old bags of stuff yeah um, we we replaced it with shoes, and it was the best business decision. Of it was because I remember my now husband is six seven, and she had all these because her husband is tall. Um, she had all these tall clothes, and it was like a cool place to get tall stuff. And then it went away, and we were like, "What?" Yeah. Well, that's the problem. It's six years ago. It went away, and men still come in and like, "Where's the men section?" That shows. That's a how good. Have you ever thought about putting say. them back in? Nope. No, um, it's one of those things too. People talk about like staying true to your mission and your, I have and a your hard brand. time. Yeah, you know, we both do it. But if you can just stick to what's working, then it keeps you a little focused. So um, is fabric how you found your own personal freedom? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, hearing so many people talk about being a perfectionist, that is so me. And did you feel bad about being a perfectionist for a long time? Yeah, it kills you because you're never going to do it. Right. Yeah. I was just um, going to ask you back. You said you were working 90 hours a week and then you decided to start your own business. In my head, one of the things that I struggle with is just like timing. It seems like, you know, when you have a crazy schedule like that, I always, I don't know if it's criticized is the right word, but, you know, a lot of people just don't live their life like that. And, you know, it seems like you just wanted more and more and more. And, it's you know, how did you deal with like, um, I guess, relationships wise, you know, yeah. like here you are wanting to just keep going, going, going. Like, did other people try to hold you back? Or how was how did you deal with that? Yeah, it's crazy because luckily I had, or I don't know if it's luckily or not, but I watched my parents, you know, my dad from when I was 10 would say, if you love what you do, you'll never work another day right. in your life. And I didn't believe it then. But I remember moving into fabric and putting those 90 hours, which turned into 100 hours a week, into the thing that was me like, and there's no business life and personal. Everyone's like, is this your business email or your personal? I'm like, what's the difference? So right. when you put funnel everything into one central focus, it's like so easy. You know what else I learned? Because you know this, Dana. Natalie knows it working with me. I have a billion ideas, obviously, and I'm always working. And I think you have to make sure who you uh, empower and who who's around you. Because if someone's not a worker bee in the way you are, they're not type A personality. They might say, oh, my God, you're doing too much or slow down or you need to do this. And for me, it's my life. That's the way I live. It's what I do. I know it's the same for you. But I think there can be negative connotations like you're a control freak or you want to do this. I like that you embrace it. Yeah, well, people will say like, oh, I feel so sorry for you. Because a lot of, you know, questions in an interview are what's a typical day? And I always joke like a typical day. But my typical day is, you know, I'm getting, a, I wake up, there's a devotion, there's some work, there's backpack packing for four kids and you get them out the door and then there's work. And But work to me isn't that. So be, when I put my kids to bed, I'm going to get on and I'm going to create a you want plan. Because I want to. And people, that, that whole sad, like, I'm so sorry you have to do that. And I just smile inside because I'm like, I am so blessed that I get to like get excited after 13 years, yeah. still loving every single second I get to work on this company. That's so like everybody wants. 
That's they what everybody that wants. She was smart enough stuff. to do it yeah. young and have a good idea and a follow through. I think all of us want to be do, doing something we love to do. I mean, which is why I come in here and take all these podcasts. I love to talk to people. I love interviewing people. It's why I do so many different things. Um, how did living in your purpose affect your personal life since you found it with your work balance? How do you think that translated into your personal life? You know, luckily, um, early on, before I had children, I had a husband that was kind of doing the same thing. He's, you know, workaholic, loves his job. He's like the only attorney that I know that worships law. He thinks it's the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. Writing a 40-page brief is like the best thing in the world for him. So we were just both kind of firing at all silos, and it was amazing. And then I think, you know, the last couple of years, what I've been going through is when you have four kids, you know, Dina, you have mm-hmm. kids, It there's a whole big shift. And nap time is the most productive time. Every second counts. So I think that it was kind of easy. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to get my business started um, then because it was blood, sweat and tears, right? And not enough energy, living off coffee and all those kind of great, awesome parts of it. But then as you get, you know, life, you're pulled in so many different directions, you have to figure out what's going to give. How long had you started Fabric before you met Angelo? I can't remember. Well, that's the coolest part. The day I started Fabric, I went downtown and got my um, business license. I'm like, I'm going to start a boutique. It's going to be called Fabric. It's going to be amazing. And just, you know, dreamy, dreamy, dreamy. First time getting out of bed in two months after that breakout, breakup. So that well, night, was a breakout. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, it was. I was breaking out. That's a good of name my bed. Change. Perception. Yeah, all about perception. But I headed out the, my girlfriend's. Um, Cindy counts all of them brought me out that night and they're like I think I was there well, I was there because I went home early depressed yeah. <laughs> we were always freaking depressed and I look over I'm dancing that, hold on it's the bar where they gave pizza out yeah. what was that bar Every, uh, not, uh, Metropolitan Pizza yeah yeah, like if if you're old enough to remember what Metropolitan Pizza is, <laughs> I'm so proud of you for still watching. So you're like in a club and then you can eat pizza, which is such right. a great concept. So yeah, my mom's like, where'd you mean? I'm like at a pizza place, mom. It was so sweet. <laughs> it was a bar that you ate late night pizza. And I literally looked over and said, that's my husband. I'm going to marry him. Hold on, you guys. And walked across the bar. First thing I ever said is, I'm going to marry you, which kind of shows you my personality. <laughs> which I that's love. That's like, the first thing you said to this man? Yeah. And yeah, he, but he, he can run. take it. He's probably smiling. That's the greatest. He was like, "That's like that's that. pretty confident." He's like, <laughs> "We should probably go on a date or something first. I'm like, "We can," but you know, it's all done. So I was doing a little bit of research um, in 2015. So I was thinking about people that work in their purpose and people that don't. In 2015, 28 percent of the 150 million member U.S. workforce were purpose oriented. The remaining 72% of the workforce define work around financial gain or achieving social status and advancement, yet you gave up a lucrative job to find your purpose. So I think what's so interesting about that is, do you work to live or live to work, right? And so I think for people that are listening, some people walk in or they've been in there, you were lucky enough to figure it out and have the balls to do it early. Some people are 35, 40 or whatever, 50, and they're like, okay, I'm kind of over this. I'm tired, but I've now I have a house payment. I have kids, whatever. What would you say to those type of people? Yeah, I mean, I was, I didn't call it lucky at the time, but I was so lucky at 25, I was making more money than, you know, I should have been making. But I grew up, broke as a joke like our family was the one my mom would play this game like let's try to find lunch money in the sofa mm-hmm. and so I'm like we tried that game yesterday and mm-hmm. it's not in there and she's like well let's sit next to a friend that has brought in a big lunch so like we didn't know we were poor we didn't care my mom made all my own clothes like I thought 
I had personal styles and life was just grand. <laughs> so when I was going to college, my parents didn't go to college. They literally said, get a job that makes a lot of money. And so I walked into the, the counselor's place and said, what job makes a lot of money? And they're like, MIS. I'm like, like being a wife? Like I had no idea what the heck they were talking about. And they're like, it's computers and blah. I'm like, sign me up. So I did that really just for the money. Mm-hmm. And I thought my parents, they didn't say it, but inferred if I had a lot of money, we wouldn't have hardship. And so I'm like, I was going to buy him a Range Rover and a house. And, you know, I don't know this big pimp in life I thought I was going to live. So I got the money came. The happiness did not come with it. And I was freaking 25. They were talking a lot about quarter life crises at that time. And I did. I was like, have all this money. I moved to California, got a place on the beach, jogged every day, worked three hours a week and made basically so much money. Mm-hmm. And it was like shallow. So the money part, I would just tell people like, chase the purpose not the money because you're going to get to the money and but it's you know like, damn it's interesting because millennials aren't doing that some are some aren't because i mean you know i interview people or talk to people that especially in my other job in corporate america where they want to come in and they want to make you know double six figures or whatever and they just got out of college and you're like no you got to work you know you got to show you got to do what you got to do 200,000 for social media yeah I want to make 200,000 dollars but you know I really don't want to do that but I got to make the money you know which I think affects how people choose what they want to do um so it's interesting to talk about this there's so many different ways we can go with it um so I know that you got married and started having children and you were still somewhat in the infancy of your of building out this brand. How do you think that it affects your your life and your job? Like, how did you I know I know balance comes later with kids, but initially with Angelo and starting this, how did you juggle it all? You know, I don't think I did that great of a job juggling initially. Like fabric was pretty much first for me because I could, you know, I could get my kids fed and loved and the kids part was kind of okay. But my husband got like last on my whole list because I just figured he'd they be always there. do. They always yeah. do. Like he's going to and he's working. And so if I had him some dinner and, you know, we try to pull off a date night once a month. And Sexy like, time every yeah, once in a while. Yeah, let's do that. It's been a little while. Like, let's put it on the Google calendar. Um, yeah. And he literally re- fell to the bottom. And he's not the kind of guy that would ever say like, hello, I need some attention. So I, he was just proud, proud, proud of fabric. And, f- you know, and up until like this last year, fabric was the leading force in my day, which was not the healthy way to pull it off right well i think when you're driven like that and like you said you love it so you're trying to balance everything because you really want to do it not because you have to do it um so you have three little boys i do so adorable so adorable um my husband they're so cute and then i want to talk a little bit about your daughter so so most of the time i've known dana she always dressed you know there was no pink there were her whole house is like beige and white and she was not necessarily about color she likes patterns and so (laughs) the first time after she got asher which we'll get into but i remember i saw her i think i texted you i saw her like in a pink outfit and i was like dana has arrived Mm -hmm. it was red it It was was red red. it was red still allergic to pink but yes there's a little bit of color in our house now it's girls i guess demand it so you adopted asher at what age so we adopted asher about a year ago she was um, eight months old when we um, adopted her, so she's about two. They actually don't know her age. She was she was screaming her little heart out in the jungle, and they found her. And so she um, was actually in the jungle in yep. Africa. She'd been abandoned in Ethiopia, a little bit outside of Ethiopia, and you know, just 
when you talk about women and you talk about, you know, fatherless daughters and people without mothers or fathers, like there's a strength that this little girl had from the moment you'll look at her and you'll see it. But the officer that found her was just like, I can't believe I mean, the hyenas in this area, like they cannot believe that she made it through the night. And they just said, we found her on the perform. She was screaming so loud. And it's just awesome. She's like, I am not, I'm not done. You know, I got a lot. So you had been to Africa, which we're going to get in detail in this. You have been to Africa on missionary work. Yeah, I take fabric there every year. I take my company there. Um, For me, it's just one of those things that you know, when you go over there and then you come back, my industry is about looking great and sexy jeans and high mm-hmm. heels. So, you know, at 20, I want my I have girls. on sexy jeans and I, know. And I have I'm on your high you, heels. You need to come to Africa with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, I do. It's I want to come. You, I, you know come. that. Yeah. Though. I don't want to, I don't want to also dismiss that feeling good about yourself is amazing. Right. But then you get over there and what we bring back as a company is like this perspective of, okay, you know, serving other people. And we do, we serve the people that come in and they've broken up with their boyfriend or they were going through a divorce. So they just had a baby and they're like, my body sucks. And we're like, no, it doesn't. Let's get these jeans on and let's figure it out. So we bring, I bring my company over there every year, just kind of for that heart check. It's part of our mission statement. Mm -hmm. So what you were over there, did you start feeling pulled to adopt? I know you always thought about adoption, but was it, did you come across a little girl? Or yeah, what, it was, it, we stayed in, the first time we went on our first mission trip was actually to Haiti right after the earthquake and there was nowhere to stay. So they put us in an orphanage. And I mean, are you kidding me? Like our hearts were just broken. My husband and I's first conversation, he wanted to only adopt and we don't have that problem of having yeah. kids and every five minutes I'm like, hey babe, I got some news, <laughs> having a baby. So we started the adoption process then, but just kind of kept having kids. So we've had to, you know, kind of work, work in the adoption. But yeah, when you hear it, when you're above, you know, going to sleep and you hear those babies that have never been held, that was it for me. They just shiver because they've never been held. And so my husband and I just, Angelo spent the, our time down there just with those babies and like looked at each other and we're like, we will be adopting. So what did you say to end up with Asher? Were you like, how did the timing work out? So it was about, um, we came home from Haiti and then started the process. And it took four years to ha- to find her. Um, or they, you know, they just call you one day. And you say zero to five, boy or girl. And we were kind of like special needs. We just said whatever in the world we're supposed to have. I was sure it'd be a boy because <laughs> of three boys. Um, and then they call you one day. And it's just one of those calls that they're like, do you have a second? And you just kind of fall to your knees. And they're like, we have your child. She, she was found in a jungle and she's, we don't know if she's healthy. You know, most of the children have malaria or HIV positive. We just didn't know what you don't know. Right. And then you get a little picture and your just heart just breaks in half and you. Well, her eyes, girl. Oh, they're of course. insane. So they sent the picture and she was how old then? She was, um, again, no idea. They just picked a date. What did they say she was? They thought she was around seven to eight months old. So then how quickly did you go there? So we went there to about two months later and then we had to leave her there and then when did you get her after that um four months after that look at that smile it just is when we talk about perspective to bring a child in you know who's just not really ever been like she had a scent like a half an inch of water every day like and now you just watch her just so grateful and just full of life it's it's cool I want to keep talking about Asher and I want to talk about your kids and your life and everything. So we appreciate you being here. We're going to end today and we're going to come back for our Dana's going to be here for all uh, three podcasts for a series, how to find your freedom and your purpose. 
Um, so thank you for coming. Of course. For now, we want to talk about the real boss of the week. Paid the cost to be the boss. Paid the cost to be the boss. I paid the cost to be the boss. Look at me. You know what you see. Which is obviously Dana Spinola. She is making it happen in every aspect of her life and even finding time to give back. Good job. Come on.